Today we've got a very special episode. I just had the privilege of sitting down with the ever so talented Brian Box Brown, who is known for his ability to breathe life into history and culture through his very captivating comics. Before we jump into our conversation, I want to take a moment to talk about his later, latest masterpiece, which is The He-Man Effect. Um, in his new uh, graphic novel, he uncovers the impact of marketing campaigns targeted at children in the 1980s and how these campaigns continue to shape us as adults today. It's a really Really interesting book. Uh, I read it myself in one sitting. I smoked a joint and I couldn't put it down, literally. Um, so I highly recommend you getting your hands on a copy of Brian Box Brown's The He-Man Effect at your nearest bookstore or online. Uh, from what I understand, it's being sold wherever books are being sold. Uh, it's truly eye-opening. It brought up a lot of old feelings for me. Um, and I think it will for you too. So it's time to listen to the conversation with Box Brown. Before I send you into this conversation, I must apologize in advance as technical difficulties cut our discussion short towards the end. Uh, nevertheless, I'm pretty confident that you'll find our conversation insightful, thought-provoking, and um, honestly, even with the technical difficulties that, that we did have, it didn't come out too bad. Um, it's not like it was like, eh, uh, 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 you know, robot talk or anything. Uh, we just got disconnected a few times towards the end of the show um, and pretty well wrapped it up quickly after that. So without further ado, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Mr. Box Brown, welcome back. How's it going, dude? Uh, not too bad, man. Uh, hanging in there. How about yourself? Doing well. I'm doing well. Um, thank you for coming back on the show. Um, for folks that may not remember you, do you mind uh, reintroducing yourself and maybe even telling us where we can find you online? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a comic artist, uh, and I do a weekly strip about uh, cannabis legalization called Legalization Nation. Uh, that appears on my Twitter and my Instagram and actually on my blue sky now <laughs> pretty often. Uh, and I have my Patreon or whatever. And uh, actually in a couple, uh, it's in a newspaper too in Arizona. Um, anyway, it's called Legalization Nation. And uh, it's all about um, cannabis legalization. Uh, but I'm also a, uh, I also make uh, books um, nonfiction graphic novels, and I have a new one coming out called The He-Man Effect, How American Toy Makers Sold You Your Childhood. And so, uh, yeah, got a lot of stuff going on right now. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. And I just read The He-Man Effect, and I have to say, um, I might be a little biased because I, uh, I love your work, but I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it, and um, it it brought back a lot of <laughs> it brought back a lot of nostalgia, which is funny because that's kind yeah. of the point of of the book, uh, <laughs> you know, weaponized nostalgia. But um, it it brought back a lot of thoughts, and it also it made a lot of things make sense. If I 
and I know I'm being kind of vague right now, but I just like <laughs> think back on my childhood and it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like you know, <laughs> the fact that I had GI Joes and it was so like ingrained uh, in, in my culture, you know, in any specific toy, but I, I had yeah. GI Joes as a kid. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I always want to ask people like what their toys were now, and and sometimes if I know how old they are, I can kind of guess like with because I just know what all the most popular toys were from those eras. Now, even like older people, like I'll talk to somebody like in their fifties, and I'm like, you have uh, the Evil Can Evil stunt cycle. And they'll be like, oh, I wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, like that was like the hugest toy back then. Uh, and there's like a, I, I actually see that uh, there's an evil can evil stunt cycle TikTok that I get served all the time where this dude like sets up crazy ramps and has the guy do it, do the, not the guy, it's a toy, <laughs> do, do the stunts or whatever. Um, yeah, it's crazy because like, you know, I, all my work, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I use cannabis while I work mostly. Um, because it helps me like focus on what I need to do and like focus on my work. Like a lot of times I'm, I like have ADHD and I'm like, you know, it's hard to sit down and like actually get moving. So, you know, as much as the, uh, uh, so on that regard, like all my books are kind of influenced by cannabis, but this book specifically, it was like, you know, I, I was looking back on stuff that I had when I was a kid because I was like, you know, when I was growing up well, as a little kid, I'm I'm uh, 43. You know, I, we had like He-Man and it was like this huge phenomenon. Um, but like also Transformers and G.I. Joe was like these three big things. And like, you know, He-Man has made a million comebacks over the years and uh transformers is like still you know there's a transformers movie out right now um uh and uh you know i, I started like i remember i was like watching he-man commercials on youtube and i was like this is like such an intense feeling of being like it's like all these memories come flooding back and it's like you i i like remember just being like i can almost like taste and smell like the the packaging and 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 that stuff you know what i'm saying and um and so like at one point i was like i went to a toy like a action figure convention like in philly uh like on a set whatever like saturday we're like what's let's do something whatever and uh there was just so many people there it was packed it was like this huge convention center so many people buying he-man and transformers and gi joe and a million other ancillary things from from that era right and uh i was just thinking about how like all the vendors were still benefiting from the advertising that was done to the kids in like 1983 and here it was like 2019 or something and uh you know there's still people buying all this shit you know and even me like i i remember i I bought a Sears catalog. Did you guys have that? So when I was a kid, yeah. they, they had the Sears catalog it was before the internet or anything. And it was like a thick book, like this thick with like every single product that Sears sold. And they would come at like November or something or at Christmas time. 
And my grandma would give it to me and she'd be like, circle all of the toys you want for Christmas, you know? And I'd be like, circle everyone. Like, pour over. It would be like five pages, maybe, of toys, you know? And the rest of it's like women's clothing and like whatever, <laughs> irrelevant stuff. And uh, I would like pour over it and I was like loving it. And I bought one on eBay and I was looking over it again. I'm like, this is so... And it just was occurring to me, like, how powerful the emotion of nostalgia was. And, um, you know, it comes up in, like, sports and then pro wrestling. People always talk about, like, um, you know, their favorite athlete is the one that they watched when they were 12. Right. Which is fine. You know, which is fine. But then you'll see people get into, like, arguments and be like, no, this dude was actually the best person to ever play the game. I can literally and, send my uncle up the wall if I say that LeBron yeah. James is better than Michael Jordan, which I don't yes. even watch basketball. I could just send <laughs> yeah, him up the exactly. wall. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. So and if you think about like the concept of sports and like how things work, like like if you look at like the Olympics or something, there's always records are always broken. Like by by definition, like people are getting better and better at these sports. Like if you put Babe Ruth in a 2023 baseball stadium, he would like strike out like every at, at bat. Like, um, but like, you know, your, your vision is like clouded because your memories are so like strong. It happens in pro wrestling too. That's my, more my thing where I'm a, yeah, are, the like, attitude yeah. era is the best. Yeah. Like, these guys are the best. You know, no, no, no. These guys are the best. This guy was the best, you know, and people even like, when it's you're not your thing like people would be like no no clearly you know uh, bruno san martino was the best but like you watch one of those matches and you're like what are you talking about this is like watching dudes in slow motion um you know it's like but the thing is is like it's not once that enters once nostalgia like enters the picture your like uh ability to be uh, uh to see things clearly is like gone like you can't you can't be a fair judge of things once nostalgia shows up and um you know it comes not not just in sports you know you think about like make america great again like that whole concept is like nostalgia don't you remember the 80s which were reminiscent right. of the 50s like um and and you know obviously you look at society i mean like forget it you, there's no way you could be like yes the 50s were better than now <laughs> right like, for white people, maybe like, <laughs> um, like there's no, you know, in in that regard. So, um, that's kind of like where the book comes from. But then also, you know, that was just like the idea of like, oh, there's this powerful thing, nostalgia. But then in doing the research, I was like, oh shit, like this was 100% planned from the top down, like from the White House down. They like. You know, um, well, one yes. thing was it's hard, it's hard to put it like in perspective of now because it's it was so different then. But like, you know, we're living under a lot of Reagan, um, you know, ideas still nowadays. But mm -hmm. before that, uh, like at that time period in the '80s, right? Every single corporation pretty much uh, backed Republicans. And the people that funded the Democrats were like the unions and like labor, um, things like that. Like it was before the Democrats had started taking corporate money. And so 
if you can imagine like one side pushing this pushing for this agenda and it includes every single corporation and every every single media corporation and like it, it was just like this wave so reaganism like reagan is just like this guy that was like the face of this enormous conservative corporate movement where they were like oh, we're gonna change everything yeah and so I, really quick i love the bit i love the bit not to ruin a joke but uh it was just it made me laugh uh you said something to the effect of they tried to get a picture of him on a cat on a cat on a horse and a cowboy hat whenever they could, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like cowboy was like, look. Present him as a cowboy, yeah. That's like my dad's thing. Like my dad's age, he's like seventy, you know. And when you talk to him about like what he liked when he was a kid, it's cowboys, man. Like he loves a cowboy, cowboy movies, cowboy TV shows. Like he loves horses, like all of that. You know, that's like it. it it's built into like your psyche as an American, right? Because there's just like this media culture. That's all there was. It was TV was like the main thing, and they showed westerns, <laughs> like cowboy TV shows. So like every, you know, shows would get like a sixty share, which would mean like sixty percent of everybody watching TV would be watching one show. Well, and um, one of the things that. Sorry to, to interject here. No, no, one of the ahead. things that like really stuck out to me was how our how our lives are shaped as a result of that. You know what I mean? And how we like try to conform to the images that were being beamed to, to us. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and I, I interviewed a uh, woman who's like a PhD and studying advertising she's done a lot of work in advertising and um man it's crazy because it's so like uh she says like you know uh the the vision that television is showing is not reality right it's like a funhouse mirror she calls it they're holding the mirror up to society but it's a funhouse mirror so they're depicting a uh, a society that doesn't exist and then society is emulating what they're seeing on screen and trying to like do that exact thing you know it's so intense the way that works because it's so powerful and anyway so then in the in the 80s when reagan came around he was like all they were all about deregulation because it would stimulate the economy and all that and so he hires a guy that, to run the fcc and uh, his whole thing was that we don't need to regulate the television. We need to regulate the television at the same as we regulate the toaster. So there's no regulations, basically. And that just like, which was the goal. I mean, like, listen, there was every media company was like, listen, we want to sell to kids and we have this big thing. And it goes pretty, you know, he man, I found, you know, you find out that He-Man is owned, was owned by the Westinghouse Corporation, which is like one of the biggest corporations in America, especially in the early 80s, right? And this was going to be like their arm of this business that was about to explode, that they all knew was coming. When Reagan got into office, they could just do whatever they wanted in terms of advertising. And it, and it did. I mean, it did explode. You know, it was a whole new business of 
you know, it seemed so easy for everyone. Everybody wanted to feed into it. It was like, make a TV show, sell sell uh, toys, and the kid has to watch the com- your commercial for 30 minutes straight. Like, Right. Well, that's one of the things I didn't, that I learned in your book, was that he did open the door on that. So maybe if you could give a just a brief Yeah, background. so like before that, before that, like in the 70s, they had strict regulations against like what could be advertised toward to children so like you couldn't make a toy based on a tv show uh, because it would be considered too much advertising towards children like they're already seeing the commercials the, the show shouldn't be also a commercial right um and they you know they did all these studies they found out like children can't even tell the difference between they don't even really know like what a commercial is like they can't tell the difference between like commercial and content and also like they don't really have any understanding of how advertising works or like what even the point of any of this is they just start taking it all at face value right um and watching tv super intensely like you know more more intensely than than adults do and uh and when you know when they so like in the 70s there's like the big tv shows were like scooby for kids would be like scooby-doo there's like there's zero scooby-doo toys from the 70s like that's just like is not a thing like any of the, the big cartoons in the 70s like there was no toys to accompany those even though like now and when i was growing up it seems like so natural like why would they not have the toys like my kids like um the show bluey and there's like tons of bluey toys like of course they want them you know so it's just like kind of baked into culture at this point but it didn't used to be like that Mm -hmm. um there was like this this space in between kids watching television and kids like playing where they would have where there was room for like imaginative play they call it which is like you know essential to human development and like animal development like if you ever see like animals they like play Mm -hmm. and like because it like teaches them how to like be you know uh adults basically and like that so like play is like really important in terms of like teaching kids how to like negotiate with each other and like work together as a group and whatever there's so much benefit to it it's like an evolutionary like must basically and um you know watching tv all the time takes away from that um uh and so you know, the, the idea that, um, that the, the media is now influencing play so intensely is not necessarily great. So, like, that's my generation, when I was a kid, it was the first generation of people to experience this 24-7 intense advertising as a five or four. If He-Man came out in 1982, I was two. And it was, like, my favorite show. Like, as soon as I could, uh, like, understand a show that was the show that yeah. i want i you had didn't like stand every a chance story. yeah like it was just there was no you know and it was there was a million other kids just like that you know they had and and, and now like i have these intense feelings and there's he-man there like these intense memories and in it's mattel um and you know i think that you know i talk about in the book you know the media companies really understand that now you know um that you know uh you can like inject a brand 
into a child's brain at a certain point and it'll just stay with you just have the the person for the rest of their life so much so that even when they're adults they'll be they themselves will be selling the brand to their own children um if you look at something like disney right i mean they've co-opted feelings of nostalgia so that people have such intense love for stuff like disney you know um star wars um star wars like a, a was a phenomenon um and it, it, it kind of changed everything star wars opened up the gates because it was in the late 70s before they made these changes and it was such a big seller of toys that's when they were like we need a star wars every goddamn day so we could sell figures nonstop. um and so when you look at like the fan, you know, adult fans of Star Wars now, um, if they it Disney or whoever messes with their idea of what Star Wars is, it's like it might as well be like talking trash about Jesus Christ or something to a Christian or like you know, it's like <laughs> right, uh, it, it, it's, it's blasphemy. Like so in, yeah, exactly. It's like sacrilegious. So <laughs> and and when they they cast somebody in a role that they don't like a lot of times it's based on race because you know it changed things that that they're different from when you know they were five and watched return of the jedi or whatever um you know this strikes at the heart of people's identities now because it was so drilled into us at such at such a a vulnerable time period for us um and like it starts you know it goes deep it's deep, man. It, like, uh, you know, there's so much money to be made. Um, um, you know, the, throughout throughout the years after that, they, you know, they made these like half-assed efforts to to pull it back, but not really doing anything. Like, um, George H. W. Bush like did some like some legislation that was like had no teeth at all and and, and didn't ch- make any changes and and then in 1996 clinton passed the telecom act which changed a lot of things um uh but didn't really address the issue um they changed like the content of what kids were watching on tv and made it you know more educational and things like that uh but it was still the same business model. <laughs> so, you know, instead of He-Man, it was like uh, uh, Arthur or like uh, Magic School Bus or something like that. Um, you know, they still had toy tie-ins with things like that. And uh, and TV shows, the other the TV shows that kept going on. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, today, like, we don't even think about it. It's not, it's just obviously there's going to be toys to go with every popular tv show one of the things that stood out to me that that i learned that that i didn't even realize that you just brought up is uh the idea that these shows would uh include like lessons and it wasn't even a regulatory thing they were kind of doing it out of like it what it reminds me of box is uh there are a lot of delta eight shops in illinois right now and what they're doing is they're (laughs) like hey 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 we're gonna id you we're gonna have labeling and testing and even though that's not regular like it's not a regulation it's like they're preparing for the inevitable it's like they know it's yeah yeah. it's 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 like 
three. All right, so like they did it in GI Joe, and they made the they made these like famous uh, YouTube like video memes about it, cartoons based on these knowing us have to battle lessons at the end. And the reason they did it was because the show is so violent. Like I, I, nobody dies in GI Joe, which is actually worse because they're showing constantly people shooting at each other and like shooting missiles and like fighting and everything and no one ever gets hurt at all like there's no consequences to the violence like at all <laughs> right everybody um, misses <laughs> they always miss there's lasers and stuff everywhere um <laughs> and so like at the end to, to like placate parents before they could come in and be like this is violent and bad for kids they'd be like no no but we have this lesson at the end and <laughs> the lessons would be like don't touch a live wire on the <laughs> two kids would see a live wire and then be, they'd be like oh let's go play with that live wire and then <laughs> a gi joe would come by and be like no like don't play with live wires um and uh it would be stuff like that uh and then it, it's what the my favorite part of that is that they made up kind of like a fake organization that was providing these lessons to gi joe would be like brought to you by like the hpt safety organization or something which was just like some subsidiary whatever that they made up <laughs> sound more official when they did these lessons at the end of the show um yeah it's like a sort it was like a swerve right it was like get out in front of the criticism before they could get to you it, to me, it's like, I don't want to say, because I just used the Delta 8 example, and I firmly believe that you should be able to sell that, but like in the context of the cartoons and, and what they were doing, and like you said, kind of self-regulating, it feels like they knew that what they were doing was wrong. So it's like... Right. It was like, look at this good thing we're doing, so you're not looking at this bad shit we're actually doing over here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they did that on He-Man. Like, all the shows kind of had this little lesson at the end, which was extremely humorous. I mean, but, like, when I was a kid, not, like, not necessarily, like, the lesson at the end of G.I. Joe, but a lot of the stuff I saw on TV, I was like, oh, like, this is how to behave and act and, you know, things to say, like, phrases to say and blah, 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 all this stuff, like, yeah, I thought stop, drop, and roll. I know this is like a meme, but I thought stop, drop, and roll was going to be like a really big thing as an adult, like that you would as like the, really yeah, always you know, constantly be on fire. And yeah, stop, it was like a real roll. thing I had to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, they told kids to go into their desk when there was a nuclear bomb going off, like, and they told us like there was these LSD. I remember having a meeting, like a, an assembly so they could tell us not to take not to do uh <laughs> like temporary tattoos they were like temporary tattoos if someone tries to give you a temporary tattoo it's actually lsd and you know you're gonna get hooked on lsd and then have to constantly buy lsd from this person that stuck you with the fake tattoo or whatever and you know we were really scared and like you could like look that up now and it's like blue star tattoo hoax that just was like going around every neighborhood in the eighties. And we had school assemblies about it. I mean, people didn't have the internet back then. Like people like would honestly, like the thing is like 
people weren't dumb or anything like that. And there were smart people that like were skeptical of things and critical or whatever, but you were much more willing to take somebody like at their word because you can't like check it. It's not like you right. could be like, Oh, was that real? Whatever. And just like, Oh, that's what that dude said. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, probably right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you couldn't be like, Oh, even lessons, good lessons. Right. Like, you get no, there was, there wasn't anything like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm excited about the book. A little bit nervous, you know. Every time a book comes out, it's like, uh, and, and I think like any, I know any comic artist will say this, but other artists will say it too. Like, <clears throat> like every yeah, musician and stuff. Like when they have something come out like this, you have this feeling that's like, this is this is it. This is my last shot at this. This isn't a huge hit, like I'm dead, like my career's over, you know, all this. So I'm trying not to listen to those voices, you know, and be like, ah, this happens every time. And I've been doing this for a long time now. I'm like still doing it. Like my career's not over, like whatever. But, you know, it's nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Try to like promote it. It's wrote it everywhere you go. And, you know, uh, I don't know. So I'm just trying to stay chill. I got a busy week this week. I've got a lot, a lot of events and things coming up. If any of your listeners are uh, in the Philadelphia area, they can come to my signing at Brave New Worlds comic shop. And then I got a I got an event in um, Brooklyn at Desert Island Books. Um, nothing in the Midwest, though, unfortunately. Hey, it's okay. It's a future opportunity. Um, yeah. Folks that are listening, I've got the link uh, to purchase uh, the He-Man effect. Um, You can get the hardcover. Can you see my screen? Yeah, there we go. Um, You can get the hardcover E E version, it looks like, or a Nook version as well um, from Macmillan, at least. And I'm sure that you can pick it up at other places. But Yeah, any bookstore, Amazon, all that stuff. Um, Yeah. It's really nice. The design. I have to uh, uh, say that the designer like kicked ass on the design, and it's like really nice package. Um, I actually have a copy here. I showed to you guys. Yeah. Um, came out really cool. Like, there's a an interior. Like, there's a dust jacket, and there's like an interior cover. So, it's pretty cool. Like, she kind of killed it. So there's this, right? And then there's you can take this off and then there's like this inside cover and like this inside back cover, which I think came out really cool. Um, and just like the design of the the book, I was really happy with the way it came out. And got the Patton Oswalt quote right on the cover. Which Dude, was that's awesome. legit. I was gonna say. <laughs> Legit um, as hell. I actually have a funny story behind the Pat Oswalt um, quote. Is that like I was doing a poster with him, and I kind of like got I like got into like a argument with him about something, and uh, ended up uh, and it ended up like he paid me. He owed me money, and he like paid me five hundred dollars, and he was like. I was like, dude, you got to pay me for this forever. 
And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. He was all, very nice and everything. And I was, I felt like an asshole after that. So I was like, damn, I just like shook down Pat and Oswald. But he like paid me right away and he like sent me a personal note and everything. And then I felt like terrible. Like six months later, I was like, damn, I can't believe I did that. I should have just been like, whatever. I should have been happy Pat and Oswald was even talking to me about the stupid poster thing. And, uh, but then I was like, the book came out and I was like, all right, I have Pat Oswalt's email. <laughs> so I wrote to him and I was like, uh, so sorry I uh, shook you down for 500 bucks, but like, uh, would you uh, read my book and blurb it? He's like, yeah, man, send it to me. <laughs> and he like read it and he sent me a blurb and it was awesome. And he's like, I can't say enough good things about Pat Oswalt. He's like a, a big fan of comics and uh, just like a super nice dude um, and funny and talented yeah. and you know, like, how does he have time to even like send me an email? I'm like, aren't you busy, man? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was funny. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. That is so cool. Um, yeah, so you kind of, uh, I want to read this this little uh blurb really quick. I like it. Uh, Brian Box Brown's The He Man Effect shows how corporate manipulation brought muscular accessory stuffed action figures to dizzying heights in the 1980s and beyond bringing beloved brands like he-man transformers my little pony and even mickey mouse himself into the spotlight so yeah you you touched on so many different brands that's why i wanted to read on that blur because we've mentioned a few others so it's a whole it's really like and i want to say like it's something i think that like you don't have to have played with He-Man. You just have to have ever played with a toy. <laughs> or just watch watched TV, TV as a kid. Yeah, yeah. That's like, you don't even have to have played with toys, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an important thing that I think we... It, it's one of those... I, I mean, I, I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was an unattended consequence of deregulation that it would turn a generation of people into, like, insane adults. But it definitely happened like that deregulation had a large effect on the culture as it that came after it um and my generation was like the first one so like my generation is the first crazy people (laughs) in this way and uh it kind of just kept getting worse yeah and i was doing some thinking and you know that's funny uh there are so many other ways uh to your point i just wanted to like it's fun to think of modern uh you know today how they're still doing this today and so here's a good example i think of uh weaponized nostalgia for adults what do you think about this one box brown sunny d oh is this sunny d sunny d vodka seltzer right um uh, stranger things that does a lot oh yeah man you know there's so much oh my god there's so much especially uh in packaging like that like uh there's so many like 90 I, i've seen like saint ides like the 90s brand come back yeah the edible, igloo coolers form. they're bringing yeah, the yeah. retro igloo coolers you know yeah all that stuff i mean it's because it pays dividends later on i mean all that stuff my wife the other day was watching tiktok and she's like i saw a commercial from when i was like nine for some a toy called fantastic flowers and she's like Oh man, I love Fantastic Flowers. And she like sang the whole song. And it's like <laughs> she hadn't thought about it or seen it in like 
30 years, but it's like still all inside there. Um, And it like lives with you. And it's like, uh, there's, there'd be people being that are saying that would say, you know, Oh, you know, advertising, whatever. It doesn't really affect me. You know, I just ignore it when it comes on, but like, you can't get away from it. Like you, even if you do try to do that, you still remember the jingles just like repetitively go into your brain. Like mm-hmm. I have like, I have like the carpet jingles in my head with phone numbers, yep. all this stuff. It's like, it's like, you know, it, it, and it like, it's so commonplace that we just don't even think about how much it's affecting us. Yeah, there are literally some commercials that I like. Like, there's this one commercial uh, that plays for this roofing company, and it's like this little kid sings it. It's like, call 355-R-O-O-F. The roofing dog will do the rest. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, exactly. n- now I know, you know, like the, <laughs> just stupid shit like that. So, yeah, man. Um, yeah. The thing is, the, the whole thing is that, like, we knew that this was going to have a major impact on children. And we even like went to the, made the effort to like prevent it from happening to kids for a long time. And then when they decided to deregulate, they just pulled the the rug out from all the protections. And, you know, all they saw was dollar signs that this would create like this huge, you know, industry of children's media and children's toys and things like that. And it did. Like there's no denying that it did do that, but it's not without these negative consequences where, you know, people's memories are branded. You know, Disney is in your in your DNA and you're selling it to your own kids and, and uh, you know the kids' friends are selling it to each other and they're you know, they're advertising. Yeah, you know, I was watching a home video of uh when like when I was a kid and all the kids running around and like zero people had a t-shirt on that was like an advertisement for like some other broader thing yeah whereas like now like every kid is wearing a t-shirt that's like captain america shield freaking whatever bluey something some property and that's just it's for the kid to show off how much they like it but it's also advertising to the other children bingo in school where they like can't even you know get away from it uh-huh. Um, and it's like you don't want to be a party pooper but you know this stuff is happening it's like it's, it's good to know I think like when I was a kid there was this uh, show where they explained to you how commercials worked and uh, where they showed like you know the milk on the cereal is actually glue or whatever and you know to make a hamburger look good they do all these messed up things whatever and it's like you know, seeing that is not like, you know, you're not going to like never watch advertising again or never eat a hamburger again or whatever, but it's good to know that that stuff is going on. Like you don't understand it as a kid that the thing you're seeing is not what you're getting. Like, cause you don't understand how advertising works and, and the, the motives of the people, you know, you figure the person that's making He-Man is like, the coolest greatest person in the world that only cares about entertaining you and you know that's like not the goal at all um and you forget and i think people forget you know it's easy you know i i know i'm just as guilty like um my kids watch youtube and and uh, uh you know all these these tv shows too like it's just part of the mainstream but you know 
I try not to have them wear branded clothing. You know, like you, you can you can kind of understand a little bit what's going on. It makes you think twice. Yeah, dude, it's uh, it's crazy how pervasive it is in our society. Like, um, I think when I first became aware of the idea that you just said is when somebody like their dad was very particular about he took all of the branding off of his truck like he didn't he's like I, i'm not going to do advertising for chevy i already paid him their money you know like yeah yeah, yeah 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 that's and, like, it sounds like a crackpot but he's like right yeah <laughs> like, yeah exactly well and then i started yeah. to think about all the other ways we wear advertising like nike shoes you got the swoosh oh, on yeah. the side you know right on it. yeah um, we're walking talking advertisements all the time Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking that, you know, in, even in cannabis, right, like the packaging thing is is real. Like, um, I think people, you know, because we were used to forever, like the packaging for weed was like a Ziploc baggie with a Sharpie drawn with a screen on it or if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I think like when dispensaries for an adult use opens up, that packaging for that weed is like super powerful on people i think like they see the packaging they're like whoa it's an eighth of wheat that you would get in like ziploc baggie and like whatever but but packaging really makes a big difference like you understand like how hard how how much of a difference that makes on a an adult (laughs) and how powerful that type of thing is dude like people collect their packaging yeah for real i mean I mean, it's legit. I kind of, you know, I've been working on packaging with a bunch of different companies and like, so I'm looking at what stuff works and what doesn't work. And, and, you know, sometimes when I get a a jar that has that sticker along the side, like a jar of packs that have the sticker on the outside, like not just on the top, but around the side, Uh I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, you know, that's good. It's got the side sticker, (laughs) you know, and some of the art's great, man. I mean, it's like, you know, if you look at like, uh, craft beer and stuff like the packaging on craft beer is awesome like and mm-hmm. you know packaging for weed should be like that too and you know uh traditional market stuff often is like because it's unregulated packaging but like some states they really they really don't let them do shit with packaging yeah where it's like totally unappealing like in canada you, there's no packaging like the package can only have your logo on it Right, and you, and it can't be like anything remotely appealing, <laughs> like, no, like no colors or flash. Yeah. You know? Like it can't, you can't stand out at all in terms of your packaging. It's like only your your uh, product can stand out. Which is crazy when you think about something like Sunny D vodka seltzer, which is probably on sale in Canada yeah. as well. You know? Oh my god, yeah. And the, see, there's all always like stuff like that. There's a Dunkin' Donuts beer and. Uh, there's like um, there's this big uh, uh, iced tea brand here that's like I don't even know what it is. It's like this low key like shitty iced tea that they have at like corner stores, but it's like super popular. Uh, but it was popular among children. But like there's tons of there's like a liquor brand that makes liquor iced tea that looks exactly like the packaging. Um, you know, uh, which they like can't do that with weed like at all right it's sad 
It's sad for the designers. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I think I might be... Well, I think I'm back. Am I back? Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Okay, cool. That was the smoothest crash ever. Um, is it still recording? No, it's not recording. Hold on just a moment. It says my connection is unstable. Maybe it is still recording. I don't know. That'll be fun. It seems to be recording. Um, you were saying that's sad about branding. I'm a little worried to continue. Um, I, yeah, I just think that like, uh, you know, I think cannabis is so overregulated. I'm such like a, uh, uh, want to be so much more, like less regulated in every way. Mm -hmm. Um, but especially the packaging, I mean, like, you know, it looks like shit. I mean, this is how we, people market every single product that exists in our country is through like packaging. And you're like taking that away from like this new market that like needs, needs help. You're taking away like every like thing that they can do to sell their product, including packaging it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, um, and that's the, the thing is like the, the, if you can see me thinking, I'm like trying to think of like how to approach this just with, it's funny that it's like cannabis only. And you've made this point so brilliantly in many different ways. I think even one time you were sharing like, uh, you know, what you can advertise on social media, <laughs> like what you can advertise. Meanwhile, yeah. you can't advertise like cannabis, right? Um, I couldn't advertise my comic strip about cannabis. Like, it's not like I'm selling weed or anything. It's just a comic strip. Yeah, you but know, because it's like about advertising. weed. Yep. And, and Meta's like the worst at that. I mean, it, it seems like you could say pretty much whatever you want on Twitter for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, but Instagram is like not like it's like puritanical. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's scary, honestly. It really is. You know? Yeah, like, and they'll just, like, pull your account for, like, I, so many people get their accounts pulled for, like, nothing, you know, all the time. Everybody's got backup accounts, just in case. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, stuff gets pulled, and it would be hard. But, like, some people, like, Beard Brothers, they had, I remember them having, like, 80,000 followers when they, like, deleted their account. And then you just can start with a new one the next day with, with no followers. Like, why? Yeah. Like, who is that for? Like you say, they all have the, like, <laughs> some people literally have their backups and their handles so that you can, like, follow it yeah. preemptively. For, you know yeah, I mean? it's like, this is this will get, <laughs> get shut down eventually. Follow my backup. You yeah. know, and then their backup has a backup also. <laughs> like, yeah. Because it's so, like, you know, talk about, like, uh, uh, like, the rules on advertising jesus meanwhile facebook will like hear through your phone that you're talking about how your fence broke and then show you an advertising advertisement <laughs> about uh getting a new fence right well i just so, think like, like if on. you think about how candy is marked i'm so sorry box my thing keeps crashing uh right. that's okay should we just wrap it up yeah, I'm wondering if we should. Um, one second here. Let me make sure this is still recording.
you gotta wonder what it actually gets in between those crashes yeah. fucking technology i'll tell you it's 2023 anyways um <laughs> if i you know yeah we'll we'll start to wrap it up um but yeah branding is insane and the fact that cannabis is so limited i was gonna just say that like if you think about candy it's like it's yeah. literally marketed directly to kids and you can buy it like buy the pounds online like and sugar. it's sugar like it's literally yeah. a drug <laughs> and it is it is literally the way you know there's like almost no limits on how they can advertise that at Andy, all forget it yeah I mean, there's like a fucking sour patch cereal now dude yeah i guess there is <laughs> there's something else too i saw icy cereal like the slushies like ices when are they they need to just have fun dip cereal just a fucking bowl of sugar just sugar (laughs) yeah (laughs) pixie stick cereal (laughs) right right complete bowl of sugar yeah like people always say that cannabis is like the gateway drug and i'm like dude sugar is the gateway drug i mean like yeah it is i mean there's just no two ways about it yeah like that's the thing and it's sold nonstop all day long to kids and adults well, hey, dude, I loved your book. I wish we could talk longer. Technology's fucking fucking up, so yeah. my apologies. We'll we'll have to talk longer because I had taken a list of all of my favorite legalization nations that that I've seen recently. I mean, I share it every week. You know, you probably maybe you yeah. see or maybe yeah. you don't, but I share it every week. But I have you know some particular standouts that that I love. But we'll we'll do that another time. I love just hearing like it from the artist's perspective. Cause it resonates with me for a certain reason, but it's always interesting to hear like how it came from you, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for having me on and Dude. Uh, keep, yeah. keep doing great show, man. You're, every, every time I see you coming up with new guests, it's like some kind of crazy thing. Like, didn't you interview like a Senator or something on your last show? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a house crazy. representative. He was super, super cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, thank you, man. That means a lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's great. It's really like, I like to see stuff like that going, you know, getting bigger, bigger and better every time. Hell yeah. Well, uh, box, you keep in touch and folks look out for the He-Man effect. I'll put a link in the, uh, podcast, the episode description. Um, you can buy it right online. I highly encourage it. I read it in one sitting, literally smoked a joint and read it in one sitting. It, it was a great read and I learned so much. And uh, like I said, it, it brought up so many different feelings and, and I think it will for you too. Um, folks, we'll see you on the next episode. Uh, Box, thank you again for your time tonight. Wow. It's almost comedic how that ended perfectly, I guess. Oh, man. Well, folks, if you're watching this, uh, I hope that it came out. I hope that this came out so that you can watch it because this is crazy and I feel bad for Box. Box, if you watch this, I'm sorry for the uh, technical difficulties. Folks, get the He-Man effect wherever you purchase books. We'll have a link in the description for this episode.